You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Today I'm going to start off with a smitten kitchen recipe, but I've got a few other folks today with some recipes from various sources. But the shaved fennel and crushed olive salad sounded amazing, so I wanted to read it to you first. Last week, I childishly pouted that nobody really loves fennel salads, and so many of you commented that you wanted one. I'm delighted, and I've been given the external validation that I required to share a new one here. This fennel salad is from Cafe Altro Paradiso, which shares a chef, Ignacio Matos, with two other New York restaurants, Estella and Floribar. What I love about the cooking at these restaurants is that there's a quiet minimalism to each dish that belies the actual complexity of flavors. It's particularly evident in salads. At Estella, my favorite is this endive salad, which seems like the most plain pile of lettuce until you find the heap of loudly flavored texture and crunch below for scooping onto the leaves. This fennel salad looks equally unassuming when it comes out a mountain of shaved bulb, but it sits on a piquant medley of crushed olives, thinly sliced stems, minced fronds, sharp cheese, citrus zest, juice, wine vinegar, olive oil, and seasoning that I'm not sure I ever want to stop eating. Fennel is divisive. Olives are divisive. I know this salad isn't for everyone. I mean, what is truly except puppies, kittens, and thriving postal service. And if you're about to tell me that you'd like this except for the fennel and or the olives, shh, you don't need to because I already know. I'll have something you like more next week. Everyone gets a turn. I've gone full mom voice, haven't I? But if you've ever, ever so slightly on the fence, you should know that this one has converted many people. I tend to make it whenever suits us and keep it in two containers, the dressed shaved fennel bulb in one and the olive mixture in the other, because the complexity is more noticeable when it hasn't been mixed as long. Salads like this, that keep well in the fridge because they don't enlist quick wilting lettuces, are a key part of our summer cooking. These bean salads, broccoli salads, carrot salads, and more are the thing you can pull out at the end of the day and serve solo or with something else. Focaccia, a simple aglio a olio spaghetti, a grilled steak, or chicken thighs, if that's what you crave. I hope this makes its way into your low-fuss summer rotation, too. And by the way, links to all those other recipes are at smittenkitchen.com. Fennel here and elsewhere. There are two more fennel salads here, one with blood oranges and one with prosciutto and pomegranate, so they both feel very wintry. There's also this green salad with a fennel seed vinaigrette. Oh, and also a fennel seed ice cream that I love, even if few others do. Finally, in Smitten Kitchen every day, there's a fennel, pear, celery, and hazelnut salad, which I jokingly call the hater salad because there are so many maligned ingredients in it. I personally think this sounds amazing. So, shaved fennel and crushed olive salad. It serves four to six. It takes 20 minutes, and the source is Cafe Alto Paradiso. You'll need one cup of Castel Vetrano large green olives, 
Uh, you'll need two large fennel bulbs, tough outer leaves discarded, bulbs, stems, and fronds separated, one quarter cup of olive oil, two tablespoons of white wine or champagne vinegar, finely grated orange zest from most of one orange, one teaspoon, but I never measure, pinch of crushed red pepper flakes, kosher salt, freshly ground black pepper, one lemon, three ounces of thinly shaved and aged provolone cheese, or another sharp cheese such as pecorino, about one cup. Flaky sea salt to finish. Crushed olives with a flat bottom cup, the side of a chef's knife or this ridiculous pounder that I seem to use for everything but meat, and then remove the pit. Coarsely chop olives so that you get big chunky pieces to add and add to a medium bowl. Coarsely chop the fennel fronds until you have about a third cup and add to the bowl. Thinly but not paper thin, slice the fennel stems crosswise and add them too. Add oil, vinegar, orange zest, and red pepper to the bowl, season with kosher salt and black pepper, and then stir to evenly combine. Taste and adjust seasonings as you wish. Have the fennel bulbs lengthwise and then using a mandolin or your exceptional knife skills, very thinly shave fennel crosswise. Transfer fennel to a second larger bowl, zest one quarter of a lemon over, and then juice the lemon over it. It will seem like too much, but it's just right. Season with salt and toss to coat. Add more salt if needed. To serve, spread the olive oil mixture on a big plate, top with cheese, arrange shaved fennel over, hiding the olives, and then season with flaky sea salt. Or you can just toss all of it in a big bowl, but where's the drama in that? <laughs> I think it sounds absolutely delicious. Next, we're going to move on to a recipe from eatingwell.com for chicken cutlets with sun-dried tomato cream sauce. Though a chicken cutlet may be a chicken breast cut in half, this recipe shows how to make chicken cutlets with double the deliciousness. A jar of sun-dried tomatoes does double duty for this healthy dinner idea. The flavorful oil that they're packed in is used to saute the chicken and the tomatoes go into the cream sauce. The active time for this is 20 minutes and so is the total time. It serves four. And uh, the, for the nutrition profile, it's egg-free, gluten-free, healthy aging, healthy immunity, high protein, low added sugars, low carbohydrate, low sodium, low calorie, nut-free, soy-free. Here is the, the ingredients. The key ingredients are the chicken. Chicken cutlets are thinly sliced chicken breasts, usually no more than one quarter inch thick. Sometimes labeled thin cut, they cook through in about six minutes, which is why we love them here. If you can't find cutlets, you can make your own by slicing a chicken breast in half horizontally. If they're much more than one quarter inch thick, you can pound them down with a meat mallet or with a heavy small pot until they're the right thickness. Then the sun-dried tomatoes. Sun-dried tomatoes come packaged dry or packed in olive oil. We prefer oil-packed sun-dried tomatoes for this recipe because we find them more flavorful. To save on time and ingredients, we use some of the oil from the jar to make the sauce, which adds even more flavor to the dish. If you have the dry variety without oil, you can use them too. Just swap in one tablespoon of extra virgin olive oil for the oil from the jar.
So some people ask, can I use chicken thighs? And the answer is yes. Boneless, skinless chicken thighs are a good alternative to chicken cutlets. If you're using chicken thighs, be sure to trim them well. They tend to have more fat than breasts. Chicken thighs typically don't come thin cut, so you can pound them with a meat mallet or small heavy pot to make them thinner, or just cook them a little bit longer on each side until an instant read thermometer inserted into the thickest part registers 165 degrees Fahrenheit. So what to serve with sun-dried tomato chicken cutlets? These saucy sun-dried tomato chicken cutlets go with just about anything. For a low-carb meal, serve them over zucchini noodles or cooked spaghetti squash. They're great served over whole wheat spaghetti or orzo as well. Brown rice or farro would be a welcome addition, as would a toasted slice of crusty bread to sop up any leftover sauce. Here are the ingredients. You'll need one pound of chicken cutlets, one quarter teaspoon of salt divided, one quarter teaspoon of ground pepper divided, one half cup of slivered oil-packed sun-dried tomatoes plus one tablespoon oil from the jar, one half cup of finely chopped shallots, one half cup of dry white wine, one half cup of heavy cream, two tablespoons of chopped fresh parsley. Here are the directions. First you're going to sprinkle the chicken with one eighth teaspoon each of salt and pepper and then heat sun-dried tomato oil in a large skillet over medium heat. Add the chicken and cook, turning once until browned and an instant read thermometer inserted into the thickest part registers 165 degrees Fahrenheit. It'll be about six minutes total. And then please transfer to a plate. For step two, you're going to add the sun-dried tomatoes and shallots to the pan. Cook, stirring for one minute, and then increase the heat to high and add wine. Cook, scraping up any brown bits until the liquid has mostly evaporated, about two minutes. Reduce heat to medium and stir in the cream and the accumulated juices from the chicken and the remaining one-eighth teaspoon of each of salt and pepper, and then simmer for two minutes. Return the chicken to the pan and turn to coat with a sauce. Serve the chicken topped with the sauce and parsley. So um, as far as the nutrition facts, the serving size for this is three ounces of chicken and one quarter cup of sauce. It also has 324 calories per serving. So next we're going to move on to recipe from goop.com for herbed beef tenderloin and citrus creme fraiche. Now this might be something that might show up on your holiday table if you're not a vegetarian, and it sounded also really good. This festive holiday recipe is equally delicious, served warm or at room temperature, and it's the perfect dish to make ahead. I especially love the zippy horseradish creme fraiche with the earthy vegetables and the tender cut of beef. The tip for this, this can be made up to one day ahead. Just wait to slice until serving. This serves six to eight. You'll need one four to six pound center cut beef tenderloin tied off, four cloves of garlic, two sprigs of fresh rosemary, two sprigs of fresh oregano or thyme, one half teaspoon of ground cumin, sea salt and freshly cracked pepper to taste, one quarter cup of extra virgin olive oil. And for the horseradish creme fraiche, you'll need eight ounces of creme fraiche, 
one quarter cup of prepared horseradish, orange and lemon zest to taste, sea salt and freshly cracked pepper to taste. First, you're going to preheat the oven to 275 degrees Fahrenheit and tie the tenderloin off with a kitchen twine. The butcher will do this for you by request. Number two, make a paste from the garlic with a mortar and pestle or smash the back of a knife and place, um, and place in a small bowl. Finally, chop the herbs into the garlic paste. Add the cumin, sea salt, and freshly cracked pepper and combine. Then mix in the olive oil. Slather the beef tenderloin with the garlic and herb paste and allow the beef to rest at room temperature for at least 20 minutes. You can marinate the beef for up to eight hours. Next, you're gonna sear all sides of the beef in a pan. I like to use a cast iron skillet. On the, do this on the stove top to seal in the flavor and juices. Once it's browned on all sides, it'll be about two to three minutes per side. Transfer the tenderloin to the oven and roast for 25 to 40 minutes. Pull the beef out when the meat thermometer reads 120 degrees Fahrenheit. I check it at 25 minutes. While the beef is cooking, you're going to make the horseradish creme fraiche. Place the creme fraiche and horseradish in a small bowl and whisk in the orange and lemon zest and season with salt and freshly cracked pepper. Store in the fridge until ready to serve. This can be made up to eight hours in advance. And number five, allow the beef to rest for 10 to 15 minutes before slicing and serve with a horseradish creme fraiche. Yum! Our next recipe is going to be for citrus braised beets and, wait for it, spiced yogurt. That sounds pretty incredible. This is from goop.com. Beets aren't for everyone, but this recipe will convert the haters out there. The beets get a wonderful winter citrus twist from an orange juice marinade, which doubles as cooking liquid. Then they're layered with an herby yogurt and garnished with toasted hazelnuts. In short, yum! This serves four to six as a side dish. You'll need two to three bunches of golden beets, one orange zested and juiced, extra virgin olive oil, fine and flaky sea salt, freshly cracked pepper, one half cup of dry white wine, one half cup of chicken or vegetable stock, one cup of full fat yogurt, two teaspoons of cumin, two blood oranges, one handful of cilantro, flat leaf parsley and mint for garnish, and one third cup of toasted hazelnuts. You're gonna preheat the oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit, chop the tops off the beets, then peel them and cut in half or into quarters depending on the size of the beets. Marinate the beets in the orange juice and a glug of olive oil. Add a pinch of fine sea salt and freshly cracked black pepper. Set aside for at least 15 minutes. Next, you're gonna heat a cast iron skillet, then add the beets, white wine, chicken stock, and another small pinch of sea salt. Reduce the liquid by half and place the pan in the oven for 20 to or 10 to 20 minutes. Place the yogurt in a small bowl and stir in the orange zest, cumin, and a pinch of salt. Using a paring knife, cut away the rind from the blood oranges and slice them into wheels. Set aside until plating. Remove the beets from the oven and then on a serving platter, add a big swipe of the yogurt 
and place the beets over the yogurt and nestle in the orange wheels. Garnish with flaky sea salt, leaves of fresh herbs, and toasted hazelnuts. So this was originally featured in a chef's pre-dinner strategy from appetizers to an easy beauty routine. And a tip for this one, look for small or medium beets, which are generally more tender than the large ones. Our next recipe is from goop.com for chicken pad thai noodles. Looks delicious and very authentic from what I've had. The pad thai served in American Thai restaurants is typically quite sweet and does not include peanut sauce, but I just love how the velvety sauce combines with a moderate sweetness from coconut aminos and coconut sugar. If you prefer that restaurant quality sweetness, adding another one to two tablespoons of coconut sugar will help you achieve it. So here's a tip for this one. This dish is Whole30 friendly if you omit the coconut sugar in the sauce. So um, this serves four, and for the creamy Thai-style almond sauce, you'll need one clove of garlic crushed, one quarter cup of tahini, one quarter cup of unsweetened almond or cashew butter, two tablespoons of freshly squeezed lime juice, one quarter cup of coconut aminos, two tablespoons of coconut sugar, one teaspoon of peeled and grated fresh ginger, one to two tablespoons of water, fine sea salt, and freshly ground black pepper. For the chicken pad Thai noodles, you'll need one third cup of creamy Thai style almond sauce or Ye's Thai almond sauce, that's spelled Y-A-I apostrophe S, one tablespoon of tamarind paste, this is optional, three medium zucchini, peeled, two large carrots, peeled, fine sea salt and freshly ground black pepper, one tablespoon of avocado oil, one cup of shredded purple cabbage, one cup of cauliflower florets broken into small pieces, one cup of mung bean sprouts, two green onions, white and tender green onions, I'm sorry, white and tender green parts chopped in with white and green parts separated. So I'm gonna repeat that, two green onions, white and tender green parts chopped with white and green parts separated. So I think we're going to use those differently in the recipe. One pound of boneless skinless chicken breasts diced, one half cup of fresh cilantro leaves and tender stems, one quarter cup of chopped toasted cashews. First, you're going to make the creamy Thai style almond sauce. So in a small bowl, whisk together the garlic, tahini, almond butter, lime juice, coconut aminos, coconut sugar, and ginger. Slowly whisk in just enough of the water to create a thick and creamy sauce. Season to taste with salt and pepper and store in an airtight container in the refrigerator for up to one month. In a small bowl, stir together the almond sauce and tamarind paste set aside. Line a large bowl with a dry, clean kitchen towel and use a spiralizer or a mandoline to create noodles from the zucchini and carrots. Transfer them to the prepared bowl and sprinkle them with salt and set aside. In a large skillet, heat the oil over medium-high heat, add the cabbage, cauliflower, bean sprouts, and white parts of the green onions, 
and saute for four to five minutes until the vegetables are crisp tender. Add the carrot and zucchini noodles and stir and cook for about two minutes until the noodles have softened and any liquid has evaporated. Raise the heat to high, stir in the chicken, and saute for three to five minutes until the chicken is cooked through, and then remove from the heat. Next, you're going to pour the sauce into the skillet and toss until all of the ingredients are evenly coated, season to taste with salt and pepper, and then garnished with the cilantro, the green parts of the green onions, and the cashews. Our next recipe comes from goop.com for sweet potato hummus plate. Okay, technically this isn't hummus, but this sweet potato tahini dip is made lovingly in its image. Cumin, garlic, lemon, and salt round out the sweet, creamy, earthy mix of sweet potatoes and tahini. Serve with crunchy raw veggies, grain-free seed bread, and there's a link to a recipe for that at goop.com, or crackers alongside a few briny olives for satisfying snack board lunch. Tip on this one, try this recipe with any roasted starchy orange vegetable like carrots or butternut squash. Sounds amazing. This serves two. For the hummus, you'll need one medium sweet potato, one tablespoon of tahini, juice of a half a lemon, one clove of garlic, grated, one quarter teaspoon cumin, salt to taste, extra virgin olive oil, and za'atar. That's optional. To serve, you'll need fresh veggies like cucumbers, radishes, or endive, grain-free seed bread or gluten-free crackers, and Castelvetrano, I hope I'm saying that right, olives, those really dark green ones, love those. So first you're going to roast the sweet potato, and this can be done the night before. Preheat your oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Prick the sweet potato in several places with a fork and place on a rack in the oven. Put a baking tray at the bottom of the oven to catch any juices that ooze out and cook for 40 minutes. Let cool completely and then spoon the cooked sweet potato out of its skin into a small mixing bowl. Add the rest of the ingredients and use a fork to mix well and combine. Taste and adjust as needed. Sweet potatoes can vary in sweetness and texture, so add a touch more lemon or even a bit of olive oil if it needs it. Garnish the sweet potato hummus with a generous drizzle of olive oil and a sprinkle of za'atar if you're using. Then serve with fresh veggies, gluten-free crackers, and olives. This was originally featured in the annual New Year Detox. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.